0: Welcome back to Just Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Colby Olson, joined by my co-host, Clay Snowden. We're here to break down and give you the best fantasy knowledge we can. Today, we're going to be breaking down the top 10 shortstops for the 2023 fantasy baseball season. It's a loaded crop. Um, Last episode, we broke down second base, which was, you know, it's nice to move on from second base, Clay. I'm glad we're moving on to shortstops because there's some exciting names here. There's four players in the top 20 here overall. Um, and all of these guys are inside the top 100. And there's even guys that we're going to be leaving off of this list that are even considered top 100 players. So shortstop as a whole is really, really loaded. Excited to break it down with you, Clay. How was your Super Bowl?
1: It was pretty good. Um, You know, no dog in the fight, good food, terrible call at the end there. Uh, I just don't want to see games decided by that. It, it, it kind of sucks out the fan. You know what I mean? Just... It doesn't feel like it's genuine.
0: It was it was ticky-tack, but the more I do watch it, I can see why they did call it. There was a hole at the beginning with his jersey. Um, regardless, you don't like to see a game end in that fashion, yeah. but I don't think that that call decided the game. The Chiefs were the better team. They had one of the best second yeah. halves ever. One of the best second halves ever. So ridiculous. Um, second team in Super Bowl history to come back from a 10-point deficit in the second half. The other one was the 28 to three Patriots, my Patriots, but nobody wants to hear us talk about football. This is just fancy baseball. So let's get into, let's get into some baseball talk. We're going to start it off with number one. Um, and, and, you know, if you're listening, you probably know who it is. Um, he's been at the top of a lot of lists for years now. Um, he's a potential number one overall pick in your draft, not just the number one overall shortstop. It's Trey Turner, um, you know, Trey Turner is an all around five category fantasy beast. Last year, 21 home runs, 27 stolen bases, over 100 runs and RBIs, and he hit 298, which for him is actually below where he had been at the year before. And even in 2020, right? In 2020, he was 335, 328 in 2021. So a little bit of a step back there, but nothing I'm really worried about. He's a 300 hitter through and through. Um, you know, there, there really isn't that much to talk about with Trey Turner. I feel like he kind of is what he is at this point. Yeah. The only thing that I did want to touch on is kind of that power output, right? Because in 2021, he hit 28 home runs um, and that was a huge step forward for him. Right. The before that, the most home runs he had had in any season was 19. Um, then he hit 21 last year, which was a little step back. But, you know. I think everybody kind of took a little step back. Um, Everyone not named Aaron Judge, that is, took a step back last year in the power department just with a different ball, um, not as juiced of a ball. So, you know, I could see him hitting 25 to 30 home runs. Like, I would not be shocked if that happened. I don't know if you should expect that to happen. Regardless, Clay, this is a guy that you can comfortably take as a number one overall pick. I don't think anybody's going to dispute that. Is that right?
1: Yeah, you plug him in your lineup and you don't have to worry about it the rest of the year. I mean, he's that type of player. um, Just uber, uber talented. And the speed helps a lot. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think you covered it. Low, he, he doesn't walk a lot, but he still gets on base at a good clip because of his speed. Doesn't strike out much. The only question I have, will we see any type of new team slump? You don't think so? I, I don't think so either, but... That does happen with some players. They get to a new team, new new situation, and it might take them a little bit of time to get going. But I I don't think so either. Yeah, I, I, I mean, think he moved to L.A.
0: And, and didn't seem to skip a beat. I don't think he's yeah. going to skip a beat going to Philly and playing in front of that crowd and, you know, an electric lineup there as well. So I don't think it's you know really a detriment to his fantasy value at all moving out of L.A. as good as L.A.'s lineup is. Um, the other interesting thing with Trey Turner is because of his speed and, and his battle ball profile, he tends to outperform his expected metrics, which is, you know, always a little bonus on top of the cake. He is a guy that just consistently does that because of speed, um, and hitting the ball hard, but let's move on to number two. And this is where it starts to get a little interesting because number two and number three to me are very, very close in value. And yet their ADPs are somewhat Scattered apart right now. But coming in at number two is Bobby Witt Jr. Um, a rookie last year at age 21. He's not even going to turn 23 until later this season. He's still a 22-year-old right now. Um, really held his own as a as a rookie, Clay. 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, more than 80 runs and RBIs, and hit 254. Um, You know, he didn't walk a lot. He didn't strike out too much either. Only a 21% K rate. Um, it's it's a difficult profile because he doesn't walk. But, you know, from a fantasy perspective, from a five by five perspective, I think he's, you know, he's uber valuable. The only problem I have with Bobby Wood Jr. where he's being selected right now at ADP, you know, seven is I think you're kind of sapping all the value out of him at ADP 7. Like, you're expecting him to take that leap forward and hit 280 next year with 25 home runs, with more than 30 stolen bases, which I think he can do. But I think you're expecting a step forward from Bobby Witt when the guy we have ranked at number three behind him, Bo Bichette, has already been there. So we'll talk about that. But, you know, Bobby Witt Jr. is being taken ahead of a guy like Mookie Betts. And to me, that that's just kind of ridiculous. And I think the hype is getting to people a little bit, yeah. Um, not to say that Bobby Witt is a bad pick. I think he's well worth a first-round pick. I just don't know if I'm going to be leaping at 6 or 8 for him. I think I'm going to be more comfortable drafting him like towards the back of the first round, 10 to 15.
1: That's exactly how I feel as well. Last year, he was trending in the right direction through um, April, May, and June, kind of peaked in July, then kind of hit a maybe a rookie wall, slowed down a little bit, this is a guy with 30-30 type talent in a lineup that I think the Royals lineup is improving. You have a lot of people who are or a lot of players who were rookies last year, young talent who should, if everything goes well, be progress, you know, show progress in the right direction. So I do think it's a good pick. Number seven overall, is just that just seems like a little bit of risk for me. Um, I'd rather lean towards the back end as well. I
0: mean, I think there's risk because I expect the power to take a little bit of a step forward. I expect the average to take a little bit of a step forward, but can you count on near a hundred runs, hundred RBIs from Bobby Wood Jr. in this Royals lineup? That's the question for me. And that's why I would rather at his current ADP have Boba who comes in at number three, he's going off the board at ADP 15. Um, You might have to go ahead of that. You know, they're, in this top 20, it's very hard. Some people, you know, some leagues a guy might be taking number 10. Some guys, some leagues a guy might be taking 20 overall. But ADP at or at Boba current ADP, I want over Bobby Witt Jr., right? He had an electric second half last year. He started off really, really slow, but had an electric second half. He hit 337 with 10 home runs and six stolen bases. He only got caught stealing twice, which was the concern for him last year. um, And a 52% hard hit rate in the second half, Clay. The one question I do have for Bo Bichette, because, you know, he's always going to have insane RBI and run numbers in that Blue Jays lineup. But in 2021, going back to the, the, the steal concerns I have in 2021, he went 25 of 26 on, on the bases. But last year he had 13 steals and he was only 13 of 21. So he was caught stealing eight times, which is a little bit of a concern. But in the second half, he did look better there. The Blue Jays also don't run a lot. Um they're 10th, they had the you know 10th lowest stolen base number uh total last year. So what do you think of the steals for Bobachet? And do you think he's worthy of a of a top 10 pick or close to it?
1: Yeah, he has shown the speed in the past, but like you said, they don't run as much. Um, it's tough to predict steals. You know, it all depends so much to do with matchups and who's on the mound, and um, so it is tough to predict. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, I think he's getting at least ten. It's not like you're going to get a zero there, right? So, I think that there is a little bit of value in the stolen base with the potential of him having closer to twenty stolen bases. This is a guy with a WRC plus over 20 each year of his career so far. And the near 50% ground ball rate is a little bit concerning, right? But he's shown that he can beat that, right? Like he is better, or he's still a really good player with a ground ball rate that is concerning. The question I have for you, Colby, is, is this lineup better than it was last year?
0: Yeah, I mean, they added Dalton Varshow. Um... You know, Andre Kirk's going to be getting everyday playing time. I think this lineup is still amazing. I'm hoping for a bounce back from Vladi this year, but I'm not sure. Like, I, I think it's good enough for sure. Yeah. And if you take Boba last two seasons, he's averaging 26 home runs, 106 runs, nearly 100 RBIs, and with a 294 average. I mean, he's still just going to be a 25-year-old this year, entering his peak... Per se, right? Coming off of an electric second half, 52% hard hit rate in that second half, as I mentioned. So I think that this is a guy that kind of was in that Bobby Witt Jr. spot last year where he was being taken like top five and kind of had somewhat of a down year. Obviously, the second half was amazing, but had a down year. And I think this is the perfect opportunity for you almost to buy low on Bobby Witt Jr. in your second round. I think he's the perfect second round pick. All right, now we're going to get to Fernando Ta- Fernando Tatis Jr comes in at number 4 here going off the board ADP 17 some places higher than that some places he's going as a top 10 pick because you know simply Fernando Tatis Jr at his best could arguably be the best fantasy baseball player overall like last year there was a conversation before he got hurt that he could go as a number 1 overall pick right he's the only hitter with a lower um home run per plate appearance rate than Aaron judge. Like he's the second they're hitting a home run every 14 plate appearances. It's ridiculous. The power this guy has. Um, The question for him is, will he recover? Will he come back hundred percent from the shoulder injury? And will the shoulder injury stop him from stealing as many bags? Right. He actually has 40, 40 potential, which is ridiculous.
1: Yeah. He is a guy that, I mean, it's puzzling, right? It's kind of like where Jacob deGrom was, where it's, you know that there's this elite talent, but you also know the injury concerns. And he's going in the first round. It's just, are you going to be the person to take him or not? Is really what it's come down to. And um, for me, I'd rather not, just because I drafted him last year, Just I think I have a sour taste in my mouth because of it. But I mean, he is an elite talent. I just don't know what to make of the injuries and how he's going to bounce back from that injury. Is he going to be the same player and put up the same production? Probably not, but there's definitely a possibility, but even like injured Tatis is still better than a ton of options, even on this top 10 list.
0: It It is kind of crazy. Cause he, you know, he reminds me this, this reminds me a little bit of, you know, Luis Robert was being taken in this slot last year, um, you know, as a top 20 pick with a ton of upside, but. The thing is, we've seen Fernando Tatis do it before. We hadn't seen Luis Robert really do it before in a big sample, right? 2021, the last time that Fernando Tatis played, 42 home runs, 99 runs, 97 RBS, 25 stolen bases with a 282 average, right? That's a 157 WRC+. In 2020, it was the same thing, an ISO near 300. I mean, this guy is a freak show, Um that is a generational talent, and, you know, we haven't seen him play baseball. I think that is the tough thing here, but if he does drop to, like, number 15, number 16 overall, I am going to have a very hard time staying away from Fernando Tatis Jr. because of that insane upside. It really could be a league winner. It also could be a big league ruiner for you. So it's really... It is up to you how you want to how much risk you want to put into your second round pick. But it could really pay off. So I don't think I'm going to have a huge take like you need to have Fernando Tatis junior team. But if you do, whoo, he could be a league winner for you. All right, let's move on. Number five, we're moving down the board a little bit here to Francisco Lindor. Um, Francisco Lindor, talk about consistency year over year over year. Last year with the Mets had you know quite a bounce back season in my opinion 26 home runs 16 stolen bases a 270 average with 98 runs and 107 RBIs he was in the MVP conversation and really was a bounce back season um because in 2021 he really disappointed only a 103 wrc plus didn't even put up um 80 runs or 80 RBIs 10 stolen bases in in 2021 He's got back into form last year, and I'm so happy for him. Um, and to me, Clay, I don't think we're going to have to talk about Francisco Lindor for too long, because to me, I just see him as a fine option in the top 30. Like, I have nothing really to say about Francisco Lindor. I see him as a
1: fine option. What do you think? Yeah, 105 WRC plus in 2020, 103 in 2021. Big bounce back to 127 this past year. The batted ball data was actually pretty similar to 2021 just had more production. Um, I, I kind of agree with you. Like you kind of know what you're going to get. You're getting a lineup that is extremely good and he's going to be batting near the top to middle of that lineup. So to me, it's, it's a pretty easy plug and play.
0: Yeah. And his 22 stolen base attempts last year were his most since 2019. So it's good to see him get more active on the base pass again. Um, Yeah. I I think we can move on. I think, you as a fantasy owner or drafter, I think you can feel really comfortable about taking him inside the top 30. I don't think you have to like, you know, feel one way or another. I think it's just one of those picks where you you pick and go, all right, that's my shortstop. Move on. But we're going to move to number six, and I might make an argument that I would rather wait for Corey Seager than draft Francisco Lindor in the third round. I would rather wait until the fourth or the fifth round to draft Corey Seager because I think Corey Seager is about to explode this year. Clay from 2020 to 2021. Seager hit three Oh six with 31 home runs. That was over 620 plate appearances, right? Last year, he had 640 plate appearances. He hit 33 home runs, but fell well short in the average department. Only a 245 average last year, which was just kind of bizarre. When you've seen Corey Seager be this line drive guy gap to gap guy um for most of his career and hit near 300 but the power was really there last year so i think without uh, can you expect the average to bounce back to near 300 i'm not saying maybe it might not be 300 but can you expect it to bounce back to like 285 because that's what his expected batting average was last year
1: yeah and to me i'm all in on him as well like he is way too talented to be a 245 level Hitter going forward, like we've seen it in the past, and yeah, he had an injury in 2021, but he bounced back well. And like I said, is a lot of times when you change teams, it takes a little bit of time. Sometimes that first year, I'm all in on Corey Seager, and if if it's me, like he's probably the guy that I'm targeting.
0: He's the guy that you're targeting. He's the guy that I'm targeting. He's the guy that every single other fantasy analyst is targeting. So with that being known, you're going to have to take him well above ADP, right? I mentioned his ADP since January 1st is ADP 60. But in my recent draft, I took him ADP 45 because you just got to go and get this guy. Um, I did want to bring to your attention, Clay, you're going to find this one funny. His profile is closer to Rafael Devers than people would probably guess. So last year, Devers had 27 home runs. 84 RBIs, 88 runs with a 295 average, right? Corey Seeger last year, more home runs, 33 home runs, more runs, 91 runs, 83 RBIs. Obviously, that 245 average hurts, but I'm expecting that to increase near where Rafael Devers is. So I'm, I think there is an argument to be made that, you know, he's not Rafael Devers, but from a fantasy perspective, he could produce a value close to that of Rafael Devers or guys that are going in the top 25, right? I think you're getting a huge steal here at Corey Seager, even above where he's being taken. Like, if you're taking him, I would feel comfortable taking him, like, 40th right now. I really would. Do it in our draft, then. <laughs> I gladly will, and you'll go, wow, I wish I had taken Corey Seager even ahead of that. I'll take All him right.
1: 39th. Yeah. <laughs>
0: All right, let's move on to what are we at now? Number 7? We're just zooming right through these guys, man. All right. Number 7, O'Neal Cruz. O'Neal Cruz might have the biggest discrepancy between his ceiling and his floor as a baseball player in all of baseball maybe. That like that might not be a crazy statement because the tools are out of this world for O'Neal Cruz. He had a 46% hard hit rate last year, a 15% barrel rate. And oh, by the way, he had he hit the hardest ball of all time. 122.4 miles per hour off the bat last year, which is just we've never seen something like O'Neill Cruz. The problem is, is he whiffs like no other, right? Uh K percentage over 30% for most of the year. There was some improvement at the end of the year though, an 18% K rate over his last 66 plate appearances to end the year last year. So there definitely was like a, a cognizant effort for him to kind of squash those whiffs. Um, He's locked into the leadoff spot for the pirates. He has 25 to 30 home run potential and he has 20 plus stolen base potential, right? This guy is six seven. He's a speedster. He hits the ball hard. The question for him will be: can he squash the whiffs? And maybe he can, maybe he can't. I think regardless, he he ends up producing value here. He's going 80 p 70. Clay, what do you think of O'Neal Cruz? Do you think he's worth it at this position?
1: Man, it's so tough because he is so boomer bust, it seems like. And he's still young, like. He is so young and striking out a bunch is one thing, but um, that wor- that does worry me. But this is a guy who had a 15% barrel rate, 45% hard hit rate, and a batting average of balls in play of 315. So a player who definitely can explode. And I, it is a Pirates lineup that is slightly better. Um, I don't think that they're a good team necessarily, but it's slightly better. And again, it's time on task. He's coming into a his third year of playing in the MLB, but that first year was just a few at bats. So last year is really his, his rookie year. And this is the year where he's going to take steps forward, in my opinion. And it all comes down to how much does he swing and miss?
0: Yeah. It all comes down to focus for him on all sides, on both sides of the ball. And yeah, if he really does put in the work this off season and focuses on, you know, whittling down those K's, he could be a huge value here. I think he's, even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't focus on it and he's still striking out, I think he might still deliver value here just because of how much of a freak show is he is in terms of hitting the ball hard and the speed he displays on the base path. So I think I'd be comfortable taking him here. I, I'm, I'm definitely not opposed to having O'Neill Cruz on my fantasy team. I mean, there's no lack of excitement. Sometimes, too, you just have to take a guy because he's going to be Exciting, and he, he 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 gives your chance your team a chance to win a week in like yeah. one game. He's not want of to enjoy player. this, you know. It's supposed to be fun. It really is. It really is. So we move on from O'Neill Cruz to Dansby Swanson coming in at number eight, and might be one of those safer fantasy profiles. Right, he's a power first guy. He steals bags. He's not going to deliver too much for you in the average department because again, Dansby Swanson is a guy that's striking out. 26, 27, 28% of the time. But last year was interesting, right? He got a huge deal from the Cubs now, which I think is definitely going to hurt his value a bit, you know, leaving the, the Braves lineup. But it was a career high for him in hard hit rate. Um, You know, 25 home runs was awesome to see. 18 stolen bases um, was awesome to see. But I did want to bring up too that, you know, while he did steal 18 bags, he was caught seven times. That's only a 72% success rate below where you want to be at 75% success rate. So I wonder if you know that's something that the Cubs will see and maybe try to limit his stolen bases, or maybe they won't. The Cubs stole the fourth most um, bags last year in all of baseball. So who knows? I think it definitely hurts his value going to the Cubs,
1: though. So do I. I mean, he's still going to bet in a premier position in that lineup, but he really didn't steal that many bags before last year. I mean, he wasn't a guy who was getting close to that 20 number. And he kind of took off last year. Like you said, new lineup, new, new team. Like we need to wait and see how much they want him to run. Um, Career high 116 WRC plus last year. If he played all of his games in Wrigley last, last year, he would have had 33 home runs. So definitely a guy with some power. He's going to you know, a ballpark that that could benefit him if the wind's blowing the right way. I was going to
0: say, if the wind's blowing out <laughs> on a Wednesday afternoon, Dansby's hitting three.
1: Yeah.
0: But, you know, I mean, this Cubs lineup isn't... It's weird. The worst either. Like, I, I think we maybe have to acknowledge that, that, you know... Cody Bellinger is a wild card, but say Suzuki, I I believe is going to take a step forward in his second year in the big leagues coming over from Japan. And then Nico Horner was great last year. Christopher Morello, as we've already talked about, was great. Ian Happ is is a very solid option in there. Then at first base, you're going to you're going to add in Matt Mervis, hopefully get Eric Hosmer as far away from the baseball field as possible. And they added Trey Mancini, so like this isn't really that bad of a lineup. I think that maybe we over over um, stated how bad this lineup is. I think maybe he's not going to score. He's not going to score ninety seven runs like he did last year and drive or ninety nine runs that is and drive in ninety six. But could he reach close to ninety? I think so.
1: Yeah, and he's improved. Each year on the breaking ball and off speed pitches, he's really becoming a better hitter as time goes on. And we saw that finally pay off with a big contract. So it's wait and see with those Cubs, who I just think have a strange lineup right now.
0: Yeah. And I think, like, I think something that needs to be said about, like, um, this O'Neill Cruz, Dansby Swanson, and then we're going to get to these last two guys. And then even there's some guys we're going to talk about on Friday that are going to miss out on the top 10, but they're kind of in their own little tier here. Like if you view, like if we, we rank a guy seven and you're like, well, I have him at six or I have him at nine. Like, I think they're super close in here. And so you can feel comfortable taking a lot of these guys in this range, but um, let's move on to number nine now. Wander Franco comes in at number nine and you know a one-time number one overall prospect in baseball Um, and last season was going to be kind of his coming out party but the problem is is he dealt with injuries last year and that just really really held him back Um, but man is Wander Franco talented right a strikeout rate below 10 percent um He's a fast player on the bag on the on the bases. He stole eight bags in eighty three games. It's almost a Tony Gwynn, um, you know, profile here. The problem from a fantasy perspective for Wander Franco is that yes, he's going to hit over three hundred. I can almost count on that. A two seventy seven average for him last year just felt low to me. Like when you strike out less than ten percent of the time, you should have a an average. You know. Over 300, I think he'll get to that this year. But the problem is, the power just has not developed for Wander Franco. And let me, you know, kind of preface that with him being a 21 year old last year and yeah. just now turning 20, or he he's not even 22 yet. He's still 21 years old, and I think that's something we have to remember a little bit. Here is this guy's still developing, still growing, still adding muscle, but the power is the concern here, and and that's really what's gonna kind of tap his
1: potential or or sap his potential what do you what do you think we're 4.7 barrel rate and 35 percent hard hit rate the power is a question like you said the super young and i'm not saying he cannot become more of a power hitter it's just right now you know we are focusing on 2023 fantasy baseball this isn't dynasty talk right now and To me, it's just like a little bit of a question of, you know, the injury and now he hasn't shown that he can impact the baseball at a high level yet. I think he will, but it just depends on what your lineup needs. Do you need a guy that's going to hit closer to 300? Or do you already have a bunch of those and you need, or some of those There's really not a bunch of them out there. Or do you need more power in your lineup? You may want to go a different direction. I do think he's going to steal some bags. He's going to be a good player. There's no doubt in my mind. And people will always ask, oh, with the Rays, like, how many at-bats is he going to get? Are they no, going to be playing day, and he's really he's good player. at shortstop. He is an everyday player, and I know that that's not the case with a ton of Rays players, but he I think is the Rays are,
0: are switching their tune on that, too. I think they are starting to become more traditional in that sense, where they, they do want guys out there every day, and Wanda Franco is definitely going to be out there every day. To me, this is one of the safest fantasy profiles out there, right? I think I can pretty much lock in Wander Franco for over 300 like gun to my head I die if Wander Franco doesn't hit over 300 I'm like not even sweating because Wander Franco is that kind of guy but I think yes you're right the power is is going to limit his potential but I think where he's going right now ADP 86 I can feel very comfortable taking Wander Franco there Um, don't reach for Wander Franco necessarily but Feel confident that, you know, if he does end up on your team, you're getting an exciting player with average and speed potential in a good raised lineup. He's a good draft pick, in my opinion. All right, let's move on to number 10. Because I guess I didn't realize how much Tim Anderson falls into the bucket with, you know, Byron Buxton's of the world. This guy has not played more than 123 games since 2018, and health is definitely a major concern for him. Um, but he's a stud when he's on the field, Clay, an absolute stud. He's hit over 304 straight seasons. He's stolen over 13 bags in, you know, almost every season where he plays at least a like hundred games last year. He stole 13 and 79 games before that 18 and 123 games. Like you can lock in if he plays 130 games, 15 to 17 home runs close to 20 stolen bases and an average over 300. The question is, can he, can he play 130 games now turning
1: 30? And it's a fair question to ask. And, you know, his production 2021 was a little bit down from 19 and 20. 2022 was a little bit down from there. Still a super effective player, but a 52% ground ball rate. His speed has allowed him to get on base more, even with a high ground ball rate. And, you know, still steal bags. The injuries are what concerns me more with not only availability, but speed. Like speed's the first thing to go with athletes. It always seems like speed and quickness seem to be the first thing to go. If you're, and he's not old, I think he's 29 years old, but with all these injuries, I'm just starting to wonder a little bit. He doesn't have a ton of power, right? He's not going to hit you a bunch of home runs. So, I mean, best case scenario is he helps you in average and steals, Worst case scenario runs. is he he'll does, get plenty of runs. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and runs. Worst case scenario is he's not playing because he's not on the field. Um, it's a, I wouldn't say like a risky. Well, I guess it is a, a a risky profile if if you're really thinking of it. But man, Tim Tim Anderson's such a fun player to have on your team and fun player to root for. It's just a lot when you look at the, you know, not being able to stay on the field.
0: I mean, if if. Tim Anderson didn't have health concerns, and there wasn't a question about him staying on the field, I would feel comfortable putting him at number seven right behind Corey Seager. Like, I really would. The talent is right there. The talent is right there. So there is that chance that he does, you know, well overperform his value this year. But it's just, are you willing to take that chance that he does stay healthy? And I don't know if I am. I just... It's so hard dealing with guys that are turning 30, have injury problems, are speed first guys. I agree with you. I think it's, this is why we have him where we have him, I think, because of this profile. So take with that information what you will. Um, we're not going to tell you exactly how to draft your team, right? We're just giving you information to help you draft. Um, but yeah, Tim Anderson, man, he he he's incredible. He's incredible when he's on the field. That'll do it. Just Fantasy Baseball, that was shortstops, top 10. Friday, we're coming to you, breaking down our sleepers, players to stay away from, players we might not hate, but we might not love doing all of it here. And then next week, we'll move on to third baseman and so on and so forth. And before you know it, we're getting real baseball on our hands. Pitchers and catchers are reporting this week. Baseball's on the horizon, folks. It was warm out today in New Jersey. That got me excited. I wanted to go outside and like play catch. I'm just getting fired up for baseball season the super bowl is over no more football talk it's just fantasy baseball we'll catch you friday thanks for listening